Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday. In the Old Covenant, or the Old Testament, Pentecost was to be celebrated 49 days after the second day of Passover. Pentecost, 50. And uh, so from day one of Passover, but from day two, 49 days later, would be Pentecost. In the book of Exodus, Pentecost is also called the Feast of Harvest. In other places, it's called the Feast of Weeks. In Israel today, it's called the Shabbat. The Shabbat. And it's the festival of the giving of the Torah. It's the festival, the celebration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. And so, 50 days after that amazing Exodus uh, account, 50 days. By the way, I'm hearing this little... Does anybody else hear that besides me, or is it just me? If we could find out what that is and fix it, that would be helpful to me. I was checking my phone. Was that my phone? Then I was checking my pacemaker, and I don't even, I don't even have a pacemaker. But I was something, something is beep, 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 beeping there, and uh, if we can get rid of it, otherwise we're going to have to ignore it. But now we can't ignore it because I've drawn attention to it. But 50 days... After the Exodus, the Passover, the, the blood on the walls, and of course the Lord's table that Carol just led us in is, uh, uh, is kind of the New Testament version of that Passover. So 50 days after the Exodus from Egypt, on Mount Sinai, Moses comes down from the mountain with the law. So what happened at the giving of the law at the first Pentecost? Well... We know what happened. Moses returns to find the golden calf. And 3,000 people die. Exodus 32. It says the Levites obeyed Moses' command and about 3,000 people died on that day of Pentecost. But what happens in the New Testament? What happens on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts? What happens on the day of Pentecost after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? In the New Testament, they were gathered at Mount Zion. This is where they were in an upper room on Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai. So in the New Testament, they're gathered on Mount Zion and God gives the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people are born again and given new life in Jesus Christ. We read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day, that, that beautiful Pentecost day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. So on Mount Sinai, the law is given, and judgment and guilt and death comes. And on Mount Zion, the Holy Spirit is given and grace and forgiveness and life comes. And as a New Testament follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, make sure you are living your life on the right mountain. 
Not the mountain that gave the law of Moses, but the mountain that gives the spirit of life. Make sure you're not on the wrong mountain today where judgment and vengeance and guilt and shame are but that you're as a New Testament believer on the right mountain where grace and forgiveness and mercy and kindness is shown. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, you have not come to Mount Sinai. Somebody say, thank God. You can do that out loud if you like. (laughs) We have not come. We have not come to Mount Sinai. No, you have come to Mount Zion to a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's... Oh, I love this, this next phrase. You have come to the assemblies of God's firstborn children. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant, and to forgiveness instead of vengeance. Make sure you are living on that mountain because that's where we have come since the day of Pentecost. The New Testament church was born through the Holy Spirit on Mount Zion on the day of Pentecost. But I want to show you something astonishing and astounding that happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit brought a holy harmony to a people of diversity. The Holy Spirit brought a holy harmony to people of diversity. At least 16 different nations and ethnicities were absolutely astonished by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost. And this is what we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. They began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation, every ethnicity, Of every nation, they were living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet... We hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans, and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. The Holy Spirit brought a holy harmony to people 
of diversity. And in that miraculous moment, the ethnicities and nationalities of the world were as one. What happened on the day of Pentecost? What happened the day the church was born? We read, I heard it again. It's over here. Next time we hear it, I want everyone to point right over here. Is that you, Leo? No, it's not you. Okay. What happened? What happened? They all came running. What happened? Every nation. What happened? They were hearing their own language spoken. What they were all hearing the same thing. They were all hearing like with one voice the same thing, the wonderful works of God. What happened on the day the church was born? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul begins to explain to us the most amazing and unbelievable event. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles, this is the Greek word ethnos, ethnicities. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Jesus on the cross, on the cross in his own body broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He united Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles were all of the races of the world that were not Jews. All the colors and cultures and creeds and customs that make up the human race and all of its diversity. Would somebody like to explain what that is? If we could explain it, we could maybe fix it. Is it my microphone? It's someone's phone? Somebody check your phone. Is that you, Elsie? <laughs> I'm so glad it's that simple. All the colors, all the cultures, all the creeds, all the customs that make up the human race in all of its diversity Throughout history, the races of the world have been divided and derided. And we have seen how dark the heart can be and how much hate and hurt and harm we can do to each other. Paul called it the wall of hostility that separated us. We call it racism. 
But what happened at Pentecost when the Spirit came down and the church came forth? He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. We read in the next verse, in the last part of the next verse, we read this, Jesus made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. By creating something brand new in the earth. On the cross, not only was our sins forgiven and and we believe healing came, but something else happened on the cross. By creating in himself one new people from the two groups of of Jews and all of the ethnicities of the world, something creating something brand new in the earth. We have not had a creation account since the book of Genesis until the cross. On the cross, a new day of creation happened. An eighth day, if you please, an eighth day of creation happens on the cross. And Jesus, on the eighth day of creation, creates in himself one new people, a new man, a new race. New. The Greek word is kainos, new. It literally means of a new kind. It means unprecedented, uncommon, unheard of. He creates a new race of grace. A grace race. We read in the book of Corinthians... Chapter 15 and verse 45. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. Now this next, this next part of the verse is the most misquoted, wrong quoted verse I've ever in the whole Bible as far as I'm concerned. I have heard preachers, pastors, I've been in seminars, I've watched teachings and read books that all misquote the next part of this. They all misquote the next part of this. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. And this is what everybody else says. But the second Adam, that is Christ, no, it's not the second Adam. It's the last Adam. This is significant. Jesus is not called the second Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. That is, Christ is a life-giving spirit. Now, let me read it again. The scriptures tell us, the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is, Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Paul teaches us this. The last Adam, Jesus is the last Adam, and the second man. 
Verse 47. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Not the second Adam, the second man. Verse 48. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. There is Adam's race from the first man, and there is the grace race from the second man. No government or politician or policy or platform has the answer to the race conundrum. You know, one of the problems that the Jews had with Jesus is the way that he interacted with women and race. That drove him crazy. They drove them crazy. The way Jesus would interact with women and race. As a matter of fact, they were offended when Jesus told the story of the good Samaritan, not the good Jew. As a matter of fact, that story is the story of the good Samaritan and the bad Jew. They were offended. No, 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 no. You got that all wrong. Tell the story of the good Jew and the bad Samaritan. Did you know that the Jews would pray every day? The head of households would wake up in the morning through tradition, through the centuries, and pray. This is what the Jews would pray every day. I thank God I'm not a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. Every, that's what the Jews, every day was saying, I thank God I'm not of someone else's, someone else's ethnicity. I thank God that I'm not a Gentile. I thank God that I'm not a woman. I thank God that I'm not a slave. But let me read to you Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There is no longer race that divides or status that degrades or gender that demeans. Not in Christ. Not in Christ there isn't. And we are all one in Christ. Regardless of race, status, or gender, we are all one in this new creation in Christ. And this is why Paul writes these words to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, we all know verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's in you. But here, look at verse 16. Look at the verse that precedes the real famous verse of verse 17. And here's what Paul writes to us. From now on, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We know no man after the flesh. From now on, we know no man after the flesh. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We don't know anyone after the... We know no man after the flesh. The Good News Bible says it like this. No longer then do we judge anyone by human standards. We do not judge race or status or gender by human standards. Anyone who is joined to Christ is a new being. A new being. The old is gone and the new has come. Paul continues to teach us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, when he talks about how Jesus has broken down the wall of hostility that is separated and created in himself of the two, the Jew and the Gentile, one new race, one new creation, one new people, one new man. We continue to read this passage, verse 18. Now, now, thank God for now. Now, all of us, all of us, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now, you Gentiles, now you ethnicities, now you nations are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Family, family, together we, we of all of our ethnicities, Jews, Gentiles, we together are his house, we're his family, we're his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple For the Lord. Through Him, you Gentiles with brown skin or black skin or white skin or any skin, all that's required is skin. (laughs) Through Him, you Gentiles are also being made part of His dwelling where God lives by His Spirit together as one new people. We are His family. And we are his house. The Apostle Paul also said, we're his body. Together. We're his body. We're his family. We're his house. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, the human body has many parts But the many parts make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. Stay with me. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, ooh, I saw a movie like that when I was a little kid at a drive-in. I've never forgotten it. It was a horror movie. If the whole body were an eye, did anybody ever see that movie? Oh, it's terrible. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, How would you walk into Carol's kitchen when she's cooking? How would you smell anything? Verse 25. All these these parts that make us whole, verse 25. This makes for harmony among the members. Harmony, 
among the members. Harmony, that's what the Holy Spirit did. He has brought a holy harmony to a people of diversity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other, care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together, all of you together, all of you together, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Now look, we don't honor the eye for being blue or brown, or green, or gray, we honor it for its seeing. We honor it for the light and the sight that it gives to the body, not for the pigment that is present in the iris. Let us give honor to one another for the precious part that each one supplies. Romans 12 and verse 10, we read, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. As members of the same race, the grace race, let us all take delight in honoring one another. Now, the enemy would have us to dishonor and despise. Did you know that before you can despise, you have to demean? When Carol and I were in Rwanda many years ago after that unthinkable genocide, when the Hutus murdered millions of the Tutsis, before they could despise them, the Tutsis, they first had to demean them. And the call went out through the nation for weeks and weeks and weeks. Kill the cockroaches. Because they really couldn't say, kill your neighbor. Kill your... To despise you have to demean. You have to demean before you can be mean. And this is true in marriages, husbands and wives. Before you can be mean to each other, you have to demean each other. Galatians 5.15 says, If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. But we are not those who scorn and spurn or who hate and who hurt. No, we are a new creation in Jesus Christ and old things have passed away and all things have become new. You know the best the world can do and promote and to try to get to happen is that we would have equality, that we would have equality among each other. But can I tell you, that is so Adam. That is not so Christ. That is just so, that is just so uh, the first man. That is not, the, 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 the new creation 
has a better plan. The new creation takes us to another place. It is not from the earth at all. It is from heaven. Let me show you this as I finish today. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, I'm not talking about equality. Listen to this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, in humility, let each esteem others as equal to himself. That is not what that scripture says. That is not what that scripture says. No, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better, better, better than himself. I am not in a room today of my equals. I am in a room today of my betters. My betters. I look around this room and I see those that I want to honor above myself, prefer above myself, show dignity to more or over myself. This is what the new creation brings us to. It brings us to a place where we esteem each other better than we esteem ourselves. We love each other better than we love ourselves. We honor each other better than we honor ourselves. We show dignity to each other more than we would ever show dignity to ourselves. This is the new creation in Jesus Christ. Pentecost Sunday the church was born and the Holy Spirit was poured out and thousands came to Christ and an eighth day of creation the wall of hostility that has separated all the races was broken down on the cross as Christ created in himself one new people, a new creation, the last Adam, the second man. And the believers in Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit and they received power to be witnesses unto Jesus. They had a power come upon them to not just be believers in Jesus, but followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. A new power came upon the church. This is Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit is poured out and the wall of hostility is torn down and a new creation now exists in the earth. There is a new race. It is the race of grace. And we're part of it together. Let's stand. I'm gonna ask Carol to come in just a moment.
She's going to talk to us a little bit more about this outpouring power that is available to each one of us in our life. But I want to pray over us as a family. We're his family. We're his house. We're his body. And if you are in Jesus Christ, we're a new creation. And there is one new man in the earth. Jesus created on the cross a new creation. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. I'm going to ask you to, as Carol did a while ago, let's just bow our heads and examine our hearts. Let's make sure we're not living on Mount Sinai where vengeance and wrath and judgment lives. Let's make sure today, if you're a born-again Christian, that you're living on Mount Zion, where a new creation was born, where forgiveness and grace and unity and harmony and family are all brought together in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been living a little too close to the old, and today you need to move over to the new. Heavenly Father, I present this word to you. And I present this word to our church family. And we sang earlier that chains would fall, that we hear chains falling. And while I was singing that song a few minutes ago, I was hearing chains fall right now that have held people, that have bound people. And I pray they would fall right now on this Pentecost Sunday. In the precious name of Jesus.